This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Here I am delighted professionally for the show, personally to see a longtime mentor, longtime friend, Dr. Alan Levy, returns again to the Neurosurgery Podcast. And I will say, Dr. Levy, this is an historic episode. You were, I believe, the first person that Dr. Wang and I recorded when this show uh, started in the very early roots, which we recorded those first early episodes at the University of Miami. Further, the first season of this show was recorded where we're sitting right now at the San Francisco Marriott at the CNS meeting back in 2019. And so now here we sit with the landmark ground level grassroots guest at the place where the show really took off. I, I feel the power. I feel the magic. It's great to sit with you again. Super honored to be asked back. I, I just have to say that both you and Dr. Wang have done an amazing show with this podcast. Uh, it's a real service to neurosurgery. You've been resilient through all of the pandemic and continue to uh, produce excellent uh, shows and congrats. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I will further say to mark this date in history that I appreciate your time on this day when you presented your work and uh, spoke before Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, who is the, the guest speaker today at the meeting. So uh, this, is, this is really a great a great day to get you to sit down for the show. It was quite an honor, believe me. <laughs> so th this conversation um, sprang up organically. Uh, over in the general scientific session, I, I ran into you. Uh, I was coming in, you were coming out of the meeting, and we started chatting about residency and training as, as we often do. And, and you told me that you've recently been talking about discussing, getting into EQ, EI, emotional intelligence, and, and that emotional side of interpersonal relations as is relevant to the residents and interacting on a professional level uh, with the other staff in the hospital. And then we parted ways, you're busy running around to a thousand meetings, but that, that idea got in my brain and the wheels started turning and I just thought, who better to talk to about that than Dr. Levy? You've been, you've been running the show at Miami for so long, you've trained more residents than I can imagine. And so I, I think this issue becomes more and more relevant as time goes on, new generations enter the field, but in particular, why I, why I really wanted to pin you down to talk about this is that I'm curious if you've noticed a difference in the emotional intelligence of residents before and after the COVID pandemic. And that, just to prime you and to, to get that idea turning for you, that's where I want this conversation to go. But maybe you can set the stage for us from your perspective, how this became more relevant and became something that you've been given more thought lately. Uh, so, you know, and, and in addition, you know, to being the chair of the program for the last eight years and being a faculty member, but most importantly, you know, I was a trainee for like 11, 12 years and, and, and went through that whole process. And uh, while EQ was sort of defined on a psychological level in the 90s, it's obviously been around since the start of man. It's it mm. just that in the 90s, uh, a psychologist gave it further, further definition. And so, you know, EQ essentially means the ability to um, understand yourself, your emotions, and how to 
socialize with individuals and sort of get them to hopefully do what you want them to do, maybe without even them knowing it. Mm -hmm. So that being the definition, knowing that EQ is very different than IQ. Everybody knows what IQ is. Most scientists would say that IQ is not something you can change very much, but EQ is. And how do you change is probably by learning from people who have fantastic EQ. So the reason why we started to delve into this is that, you know, there were certain residents or there are certain residents um, that continuously end up being reported by administrators, by nurses, by other doctors. And when it, that happens, it, you know, it typically goes to myself and Dr. Komatar, who's the program director, and, and we have to deal with it. And it is never fun. And we always, I always wonder, why is it that it, certain residents are continuously being written up and others are able to navigate mm. without problem? And it obviously has to do with their own EQ. I will say, because we, the majority of our listeners are within neurosurgery, they're residents, they're attending surgeons, but we have some listeners in medical school, some in uh, related specialties or professional fields, some in, in undergraduates in college, who I actually met a couple at this meeting, which is very gratifying. But I will say, this is not a unique phenomenon at the University of Miami. If you point to a neurosurgery program, you will find residents getting written up. So by, by no means are we spotlighting a given program or given individuals. This is a ubiquitous issue within our field and, and probably many fields, I would say, particularly those who work the highest number of hours and have issues with off-duty rest time, sleep deprivation, things that we've all been talking about as, as we evolve as a field with uh, work duty restrictions in the recent years and things like that. Um, I do think it's interesting though, because one of, one of the most important aspects of EQ that you rightfully just spotlighted, Dr. Levy, is not just the ability to understand yourself, understand others, but the ability to influence their behavior. And I'll go ahead and use the word that people cringe at, but I don't think it's a dirty word. I think you manipulate people, right? You manipulate others to do what is necessary. And so often, as I say, dirty word, because so often people shy away from manipulation as, as a concept because it has this negative connotation. But um, in so many aspects of human life, in particular, working in a hospital where we know XYZ has to happen for our patient, but there may be two to three steps in a human chain of another physician from another service, say anesthesia, a nurse involved. There, there are people whose behavior you need to coordinate for that outcome. And so I think manipulate is a fine word for, or orchestrate, or influence, whatever words you want to use. That is such a critical skill in a specialty like neurosurgery, where you really do have to get this whole team involved to get the outcome necessary for your patient, which is often a critical outcome, and often in a very time-sensitive fashion. I think all those things are at play when you ask the question, why do I keep getting written up? Because as, as you said, this is a learned skill. So maybe we could take that batch of residents who never get written up. Maybe they're just pleasant people and they're intrinsically lovable. Maybe they come to the table with a highly developed EQ and they have those skills. So we can set them aside and we think about the people who you frequently get the emails about. They come in like that, 
by the time they finish training, presumably, hopefully, you've taught them to successfully interact uh, with their colleagues and get the desired outcomes. What kind of changes do you note throughout residency in the people who start as the quote unquote problems but grow out of it? Or maybe what kinds of things do you do to help them grow out of that? So, so the, the first of all, nobody survives the residency without getting written up. We, we came to that conclusion when we met as a group. There isn't a single resident in our program, and I'm sure in probably every program in the country. Right. You, you at some point in time will lose it, and you'll, you'll get in trouble, you get written up. And you know what? That's okay. If it happens once or twice, that, that's okay. And, you know, I, I'm sure the attendings, the chair, the program director will, will have your back. What we're talking about is the people who just continuously every week are getting into trouble with all of those different uh, healthcare providers that, that you mentioned. And, and so one thing, one risk factor, if you will, I think obviously is sleep deprivation. And yeah. so we obviously see it more commonly in our younger residents because that, that's where a, a lot of the firsthand call is being done. You know, they're tired and it's harder to keep your emotions in check when, when you're tired, there's no, there's no doubt about it. And I think the people who do it well are just are able to navigate that fatigue and, and get people to do what they want them to do potentially without even knowing. And I think they do it because they, example, instead of somebody ask you to do something, you, you don't yell at them. You, you basically figure out a way where they can sometimes even solve the problem without even getting you involved because you've mm. taught them of what the problem is, things like that. I think the other thing that I, I wanted to say or I said during our meeting with the residents is as much as you think getting angry or yelling at someone is going to save you time in the long run, mm. it will it'll be 10x the amount of time that you have to spend between correct corrective action, speaking to your program director, uh, you know, speaking to the head of nursing, whatever you think if it, that, that it is saving you time by, by acting in that way, it, it will not. And it just, it, it just makes your life easier. So learning from others who have good EQ, reading about it, practicing and, and, and striving towards a, a, a better EQ is something I think everybody does through the residency. Yeah, you, you know, to, to briefly pay homage to some of our other uh, hallowed past guests when I, I think I've requoted this so many times, but it bears, uh, it bears saying in this conversation, when we first had Dr. G, Steve Giannata on the first time, he, he was talking about the selection process for neurosurgical trainees. And he said, in his opinion and experience, the number one predictor of success in neurosurgery is resistance to fatigue. And I think that is very uh, salient for this conversation and, and talking about that ability to self-regulate both your emotions and your verbal or behavioral output. Um, I also recall during my sub-eye at UVA, uh, Dr. Mark Shaffrey was talking about a recent resident write-up incident, and he made a very salient point, which was whatever is happening in this situation, whoever is involved, you could be 300% right but the instant you raise your voice, the story isn't about this person endangering that patient 
or this aspect of care not getting delivered. The minute you yell, the story is that you yelled at somebody. And it completely shifts the context of the incident away from the patient and away from whatever was right or wrong to while the neurosurgeon lost his temper. Um, but with that in mind, with this ability to self-regulate as we interact person to person, I think a variety of scientific disciplines, sociologic disciplines have noted a huge difference in interpersonal um, interaction and interpersonal skills in younger generations, the more and more reliance we have on technology. Uh, we text each other, we FaceTime, we spend time on social media and less time face-to-face, -face, particularly in young childhood and elementary school, even up to college. And now, as I mentioned recently with the pandemic, even vast aspects of medical training have shifted to a virtual format. And particularly during the pandemic, many medical students were outside of the hospital. And those critical third and fourth years of medical school where you're on the wards, you're rotating, you're seeing patients in a hospital gown, in a bed, interacting with nurses, uh, that time was lost. And in its place, we had online lectures and PowerPoints and textbooks, which contain information but don't contain experience. Since the pandemic, obviously, we've only had a few cycles of new residents coming into the fold. But in your experience, talking to your colleagues in, in leadership roles at other programs, have you noticed an increase, a decrease, any change in the EQ of residents in the amount or severity of these write-ups as the new generation comes in? Yeah, I, I, you know, any neurosurgery program, every year of a neurosurgery program, it's a pretty small group of select individuals. Yeah. So it would be hard to say this year's crop versus last year's crop. Right. However, I would say that given all of the things that you mentioned and all the sort of social isolation that people have experienced during the pandemic and not getting that real world experience, my prediction would be harder to obtain higher EQ under those circumstances. Yeah, and harder to screen for it, I'm sure, during interviews, mm -hmm. with virtual interviews. Yeah. I wonder if the flip side of that coin, I know many hospitals, ours included, I, I presume at Miami, but I, I don't know from experience, we've had huge turnovers in nursing staff, OR staff, which means you have new people around, new people who don't know you and your personality, who don't know the residents, who haven't interacted with your department for a long time, who are maybe new to neurosurgery or fresh out of school. Have you noticed any um, increased friction or increased growing pains as potentially new staff in the hospital gets to know your residents and the residents are just getting to know the hospital? I, I again, would say that's probably gonna be a risk factor and, and, and again, something we would look out for. To, to change the, the, the way of looking at things a little bit is what happens if you are that person who gets continuously written up or written up frequent, more frequently than others. Yeah. One of the problems that happens because of that is that you then start to automatically become labeled as that person, that mm -hmm. guy, that girl who always is the, the, the problem child, if you will. And it makes it in some ways more difficult to fix the problem because you can say, look, I understand I've had some issues in the past, I'm gonna fix them. But when people sort of know you already, they're automatically gonna label you as that. And so it makes it a, a sort of a, a deeper hole to try to, 
try to fix, but possible. And I can tell you, we've seen residents successfully overcome that, like amazingly. Like now they're the 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 the, the favorite person in, in, in the group. So uh, you know, I would tell you that there's hope. I also would tell you that this does isn't a unique problem to residents. It, it happens amongst faculty. It happens amongst chairs. It happens amongst deans. So it, it's not something that's very, you know, just specific to trainees. It's something that you have to experience, um, you know, throughout your life. And the last thing I was going to say is that, you know, as you become or go through the residency program and you have certain goals that you want to achieve, uh, you, you want to be the best neurosurgeon in the residency program. You want to have written the, the most papers. You want to have done the best science. You know, all of these uh, end goals that you make for yourself. But I would tell you equally as important or possibly more important is to have a great EQ at the end of all of those other things. Because without a great EQ, you're not going to be able to you know, harness the job that you want because people will know, oh yeah, he's fantastic, but he's got this. He drags mm -hmm. this ball with him when he comes and it, it, it can scare people off. Yeah, and I have to imagine um, that same suite of interpersonal skills must translate to bedside manner, your, your clinic persona and developing that therapeutic bond with a patient such that depending on the environment you're in, if you're booking elective surgeries and, and somebody is seeing five different surgeons, how do you get them to pick you and trust you to come into your hospital and, and go under anesthesia and under your knife? Someone with a low EQ could be the most technically skilled guy in town, have the, the greatest and broadest knowledge of, of the field, um, but if you can't develop that sense of trust and that, that sense of bond with someone, you, I imagine you won't be booking as many surgeries as your higher EQ colleague. All important stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if, to kind of put a pin in this and, and to bring this to a close, Dr. Levy, you, I think, are a paragon of, of these things. I, and I don't just, I don't mean this to flatter you or to in, inflate your ego, but obviously you're a successful surgeon, you're a successful chair at Miami, uh, you run a department of residents who are very happy. I think everyone on, on the interview trail and all of us who have spent time in Miami, one of the things we talk about when, when people talk about, oh, how was your Miami interview? We, we all talk about different programs. Everyone knows the residents of Miami are happy, friendly, they get along. You clearly have put thought into EQ in this side of things and it clearly by your results, it's successful. So what are some of the methods you have found in your own career that you found to be effective for perhaps self-regulation or when you have one of these residents that gets written up a few times, what kind of things do you tell them like, you know, maybe try this? Is it always a case by case or are there any general principles you've found? I think, I think one of the general principles is that if you're getting in into it with someone, whether it's a nurse, a colleague, uh, you know, a radiology technician, you know, if, if things are escalating, the best thing to do is walk away. Mm. Walk away, get get your uh, senses under you, try to figure out what different direction you can go. I mean, of course, if someone is herniating, uh, you, you know, you, you can't do that. But in most cases, when it's not uber, 
you know, urgent, then that's, that's, a, that's a good policy. And then the other thing is, you know, the, there are those golden lights in the program amongst my colleagues and, and sort of learn from them. How, how do they do it? Are they soft-spoken? Uh, how, how do they get people to do uh, what they want to do and are just dying to do what yeah. they want to do? So I, I think those are the two things that I, I would add to try to improve things. But always remember that, it, you know, it's impossible not to get in trouble sometimes and that's probably okay but it's sort of the aggregate that we we would be looking at wonderful well dr levy as i've said these are concepts that i frequently think about i mean i've psychology degree i, I have some of a background in it and it's interesting to me and you meet so many people who i think are more junior in the field at my level and training who who think oh i just want to learn how to operate i just want to learn how to operate and I have always felt there's so much more to it than that, both for successfully functioning in a hospital and a team-based environment, but also like, you know, interacting with patients and clinic, interacting with industry. There's so much more to being a successful neurosurgeon than just doing the surgery. And so it's very encouraging, gratifying, and, and it gives me joy to know that uh, the leaders in the field think about these things as well and uh, think deeply about how to be better and improve the trainees and improve colleagues, as you say, and, and that all of us can be better at this massive domain of human life and interaction. Um, so thank you for sharing your thoughts, your impressions um, on this important topic of EQ and coming back on the show. John, thank you again for inviting me. I had a great time. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.